Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflex Blues Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, and our final, our final podcast here from the On Brand Conference here in Omaha, 2018, in the hallway. And, and it seems like it feels like now we're, we're more in the back with with all this this other this other noise going on. But I have with us the luncheon keynote Elizabeth Edwards, and Elizabeth is the founder and president of Eleventh Octave in Volume Public Relations. Elizabeth, how you doing? Doing wonderful, Donovan. Thanks for having me. I saw your keynote. And, and I like I like that it's oh and by the way the on brand it's on brand conference Omaha it's the first year they're doing it but it's I think it's really successful like like their attendance is higher than they expected sold out and so mm-hmm. I believe I believe this is this is going to be an ongoing thing I don't know if they're going to keep the exact time frame and you know I think they're they're beta testing what works what doesn't but so far lots of working um, it's through AAF AIGA AMA PRSA ABC BBD East Coast Family Boys <laughs> to Men whatever. Everyone that matters in associations of marketing, PR, advertising, all here. Which which of the which of the many alphabet uh, agencies brought you in? PRSA, Public Relations Society of America, because I've owned Volume Public Relations, VolumePR.com, for 17 years, and while owning that firm and through my time in that firm just really was able to flourish my love of communication psychology and develop understanding psychology and applying it to the PR work that we were doing for our clients. And then 11th Octave was kind of born from volume PR because it is so much more than just PR. It's about communication as a whole and changing how we communicate as a whole. And and I originally thought, you know, when I just saw the name 11th Octave, I just figured because, you know, you're, you're, you turn it up to eleven. Because that's very important. Important to have the elevens because it's one louder, but it's not. It's because we we hear. You said we only can hear ten octaves. Right. So humans, as humans, we can all you and I hear ten octaves. But the fact is, there's more. That science is showing us there's more going on in our minds than, and we are hearing more than what is just audible. And so we refer to it as the 11th octave rather than using some of the the complicated uh, scientific terminology and things for these. But really, let's focus it on what are we all talking about. And the fact is, science is revealing for us that, yes, we hear within this framework, but there's more going on in your mind, a different level in your mind that is hearing, processing, and making decisions based on what it is hearing that is beyond what you're necessarily thinking about at that moment. And, and what's an example that you can bring in into either marketing or PR or design that, that you can take advantage of this? Like for our audience, do you have something to kind of paint them a picture of what's going on here? So many different ways to incorporate this. You know, one we talked about in the session that really I think applies to design is the incorporation of contrast because the mind really loves contrasting things. It helps us to be able to make decisions faster, understand things, and reduce the amount of processing time. So when you're thinking about your visuals, can you contrast or in design contrast positive and, and negative or contrasting two different thought processes. Even just in visuals of scene where there's a contrast in the way that they use the topography and uh, and and their their words in showing a, a forest with the word rise coming out of the trees. It's just a contrast we don't expect when it's the incorporation of those two elements. So I think thinking about how can we contrast things for the audience so they understand us quicker. And, and have you have you have you used this to good effect sometimes? Absolutely. And and is any time does it do the opposite? Does it does the effects go bad? 
things can go bad if you don't understand the whole picture. You know, a great example of that is when it comes to applying scarcity effect and, and what was done around the Arizona petrified forest and social proof. And what they did is you've got, you know, a, a forest where there's only so much of something, so it's very scarce. And then they use social proof to tell people that they need to stop stealing because everyone else is stealing. And when they did that, it and, and they were, they're stealing the, uh, the, uh, the petrified, petrified wood. wood. That, exactly, which is a very finite resource, a very scarce resource. But by framing it in this is what other people are doing, and so we really need to make sure you all stop. Instead, what it did was triple theft of petrified wood from the park because people look at what is everyone else doing and how do I do that? And so if you have just the kernel of knowledge of social proof is good, show people what others are doing, but don't understand it in its entirety, then you could be the poor unfortunate soul that put out this message that actually tripled theft instead of reducing it. And for those who didn't see the presentation, what was the message that they put out that, that did this? That was they had, yeah, great question. They had had a sign up that just said, please don't remove petrified wood from the park. That led to a 1.67 reduction in theft. They then changed the message and the end of the overall story was it was in regards to the fact that theft had been increasing and people were, quote, stealing your heritage one small piece at a time. And then theft jumped to just under 8%. So rather than decreasing theft, it actually increased theft by telling people that people are removing wood from here. Yeah, it kind of has that psychological effect of like, well, darn, if everybody else is doing it, there's not going to be any left, so I better get my piece too. This is really the way that a lot of a lot of us process that. So we have to be very careful in the way that we frame things. If we're speaking about a negative and we want people to not continue doing the negative, don't reinforce for people that everybody else is doing that negative or they won't do it either. They'll feel justified. They'll feel comfortable being part of the crowd. Retirement is another great example. Some retirement companies, you know, right now I see ads, uh, uh, you know, on billboards from some different retirement companies talking about how few Americans have retirement plans. What that does to us is make those of us who are not planning for retirement as adequately as we should feel comforted because we are with the masses. We are the norm, and that's how we have evolved to want to be in our societal evolution, is to fit in. So, so what you're saying is, is if I'm more broke and I'm stealing, then I can fit in. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> well, that's kind of what, I guess that's kind of what, the, what people see. So, so how do you go about convincing your clients, don't use this messaging, because telling people that everyone else is broke and everyone else is stealing is negative, how do you go about telling a client that this message is bad? Great question. You know, we show them the, the facts. The science facts and figures don't lie. So we use examples that show exactly companies who have used one message that was a negative and then what result happened when they changed that to a positive. So one of our clients had a very negative social proof message on their homepage. When they eliminated that message, Went, we took them through an audit of a number of things to change around their messaging and colors and how they were portraying contrast, things like that. They saw a four-digit increase in signups. Oh, wow. Four-digit percentage, so over a 1,000% increase in signups. 
because we looked at the choice architecture. We looked at a lot of things there, but number one, the hero message on your website can't be screaming at people, bounce off of this page. You don't need our products and services. And no one in their marketing or communication intended to say, don't buy our products and services. We're all here meaning to do the very best that we can, but this is new knowledge. This is new information and research. We're all learning together at this new era of neuroscience intersecting with communication. And so it's new for our copywriters, for designers, for everyone to really understand there's positives and negatives here and how do we make sure that we present this correctly so we don't have the opposite effect of what we want. That's great. We're going to be right back with uh, with Elizabeth from 11th Opt. So 11th Octave just 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 started this week. I mean, it's it's been an. I mean, I found out about it today, but still, I you know you you see you see you see your name, you see the thing, you're like, oh, obviously you just assume everyone's been doing everything for a while, because that's how I think we are. We're like, well, if they're at this company, obviously they've been working there for years. But, but I know that's not always the case. So, in, or in this case, I mean, this is probably recorded a month ago. So, five weeks ago, you started, what, what, what made you decide to start up 11th Octave? Easy question. Because for 17 years, I've been running Volume PR, which I founded um, in the 2001. And as a PR firm, the majority of what we do is all forms of communication. It involves a lot of marketing communication design, all types of things along the, those lines. And I've been incorporating it through Volume PR. We've been doing a tremendous amount of this work over the years. But as the market matures... What, well, what is, what is the, the bread and butter work of Volume PR? Volume PR is a public relations and integrated marketing communications agency. We have a very, very strong technology and B2B practice. And over the years, as we've been growing, we've been incorporating more and more business-to-consumer type clients, as well as developing and articulating this message around the fact that there is new research being done in neuroscience and psychology that we have a tremendous amount to learn from. However, knowing what we know and what we're all sitting here talking about right now, words carry a lot of meaning to people. So for us to share that message only from a company name of Volume Public Relations, a lot of large companies were finding they wanted to bring us on, they want to hire us, but they see PR in the name and have to be very careful that that has to be managed through the PR department. And so oh, what, sure. what we did is really look at it and say, what are, we, what are we sharing with people? What are we teaching people? And what we're really teaching them is there's more that you're hearing. Decision-making is happening at a, at a place where you're not necessarily aware, and we all should be aware. Everyone who communicates, whether it's you communicate for a living, and that's how you make your, make your life, or communicate with your friends, your family, whoever it may be. This is really valuable information for us. And eventually, as you mentioned, we just launched, we are building what we call the Communication Discovery Network which will be rolling out uh, probably in the next three or four months. And it will be a network where anyone who is passionate or interested in the concept of communication can all come together freely, be able to communicate, share messages and ideas of the community and other people that are beginning to learn about how psychology, neuroscience, and communication connect. What what brought I mean what brought you into deciding hey I want to want to do science and neuro neuropsychology? 
you know, we, first of all, when I, I went to school, to college, I had a full scholarship, was very, very blessed there, and I didn't want to do a double major to incur, you know, the additional debt from that. And I marched into the, the office to register for my major and said, I want psychology communication, and it didn't exist. I was going to have to do two majors oh. if I wanted to study both of those fields of interest. And so I took upper division classes in both. And I realized the psychology being taught in school is very much for clinical, for psychologists who would be doing therapy, where communication was clearly the direction that I needed to go. And instead became a lifelong student of a lot of the scientific journals and things related to psychology and consumer behavior. In the last number of years, as the medical equipment prices have come down, the field of neuroscience and non-conscious research has grown tremendously. That field teaches us even more than we knew before. So to your original question, I think I've always just been hungry to understand if we're going to communicate to people, how do we do it to the very, very best of our ability? And in order to do it to the best of our ability, we need to understand how the human mind works. I should probably just blame my mom. My mom had a little saying she sent me out the door with every morning, good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. And every day at work, I would look at what I'm doing and say, is this the very, very best I can be doing? And it isn't if I don't understand what's really going on inside your mind and use that information that is available in the scientific journals and make sense of, of that to translate it to and apply it to the work that we do in a non-complicated way. And I noticed in your talk you had a lot of numbers with, and, and even, even just speaking the last few minutes with percentages and things going up, I assume that part of the, part of the science aspect and that you deal with is not only using the science and, and figuring out how people react, but to document so that it can be followed up on to say that these numbers, you know, we get this much of an increase if we, if we change the wording this way compared to if we, if we word it some other way. I assume that's also a large part of what 11th Octave is going to be focused on. Absolutely. With our clients, we always recommend and approach things with an A-B testing type of a style. We'll often develop messages. First of all, it depends on the medium, but many, you know, in print collateral materials like that, we really know and fine-tune the message that we want. And often on digital, what we'll do is develop slightly different variations of things and A-B test to see which approach to that language converts the most and continue to improve upon that throughout everything that the company is doing. So for example, one of our clients we changed their Facebook advertising campaigns to incorporate reasoning, justification, and ego. And so with those three triggers, what we focused on is using a, the, the phrase, you deserve more, you deserve better, or because you deserve more. So those are two different, one using the word because, which has that reasoning and validation, and the other using just the you message. And we're able to measurably see from Facebook returns and the way that the, the, the reports are done from those parties, which ads perform more effectively and can absolutely measure that because you deserve more, the combination of because and you trends far higher.
Oh, so just, just, I mean, just one little word makes a, is, is it a little higher? Is it like the 2% or is it like a remarkable It gets return? really remarkable over time. Over time, it is, it is something that measures gradually. It always depends on who the audience is, what the message is, how long the traditional sales cycle for that process or product may be. So it, 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 there's a number of variables at play, but it is so powerful because it is so measurable. Well, I am interested because I am interested. So. <laughs> you know, because that little four-year-old still lives in all of our brain wanting to know why, 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 that's the reason why because is one of the most powerful words in our language. Because as soon as we say because, I've just told you, I'm going to give you the reason. So a different part of your brain starts paying attention when it hears because. Is that why we keep hearing people say because I said so? Because that alone is effective? No, I don't think that's a good reason. Okay. I think that's old mama with uh, old, old old mama talk. <laughs> now, where do, where do people go? Is it eleventhoctave.com.co? Co. is the best place for for there, and you can link out to all of our social app websites and and connect with us on and me personally please connect on linkedin um elizabeth edwards on linkedin okay well elizabeth edwards 11thoctave.co linkedin we'll be back with one final seg uh, segment in just a minute all right we're back with elizabeth from 11th octave elizabeth if somebody wants to go into what you wanted to go in way back when like if somebody wants to go into communications and psychology, has that has that been caught up? Is is the academic world caught up a little bit with that, or or are they just still out of luck and and I guess start reading science magazines? Great question. For the most part, still out of luck, except that the eleventh octave exists now, and that's our main reason for existence is training because we want to teach other people how to do this in your own companies, in your own life. So 11thoctave.co being a tremendous training resource is our focus. In terms of universities, I know that at USC Annenberg School of Communication, they have a neuro lab where they are doing research specific to some of the things I'm talking about and are also a really great source for learning about the intersections between human behavior, science, and communication. Are there any other resources that people can go with if they want to kind of dabble with it and see if it's something they're interested in, like anything that you that you view, or do you just watch a lot of like Cosmos TV shows and whatnot? <laughs> I really like the Journal of Consumer Psychology. It's an expensive subscription, but there's abstracts that you can read online. And if the the, the language is really challenging and, and, and difficult, as I shared with you. My father was a high school Shakespeare teacher, and I spent every summer of my childhood at the Shakespeare Festival and developed a real love for that level of language. And so reading these scientific journals and whatnot, I can speed read them pretty quickly. And I know that for most, though, it is cumbersome reading. You know, we come into communication and, you know, to, to not be in sciences sometimes some of us and so it's uh, it's a fine line we're really focusing on how to make it palatable and tangible and actionable at 11th octave for anybody but the journal of consumer psychology is a really great place to first to start even just psychology today to, to start opening your mind to just learning a little bit more about the fact that there's more going on
Because with design, we're trying to make a connection with people. With marketing, you're trying to make a connection with people. With PR, you're trying to make a connection with people. And, and what you're trying to do is say that we're still trying to do that, but, but there's another way that you have to take into effect not only that you're making a connection, but why the connection is being made to make what we're doing more effective. And there's just more going on that factors into making that connection than we knew before. And non-conscious research, that field, which is, a, as we said, very relatively new, is teaching us a lot about how to make those connections and how we may have been making those connections in the past incorrectly and actually creating more distance between ourselves and our customers than we intended to because we didn't understand or know some of what this new research is able to teach us and finding and revealing. What I'm, what I'm also learning is after your talk, I am going to up the shade of my lipstick about three levels of intensity because <laughs> that somehow gets gets people focused is, is what I'm understanding. So so rather than using this bright red, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe up it to like a, a green. Really, really push it so that people focus. You know, I don't know if it applies in the reverse of men and women, but I know for men that studies have shown they retain more of what a woman says when she's wearing bright lipstick. And this is one of the reasons I really love non conscious research is I don't think anyone is is consciously aware of that. But when non-conscious research asks a lot of questions of your mind in rapid succession, there's many ways that it's done, but one that, that uncovers things quite commonly is ask your brain a lot of questions in rapid succession and you're answering or you're picking answers before you even have time to think about it. And it's those types of studies that are teaching us new things about what we're really thinking at a deeper level because there is so much going on in this incredibly noisy world beyond our level of conscious thinking about it that informs our decision making all day long. You know, think about societal evolution. You know, as we, just a few hundred years ago, we were moving across the plains, right? We we all had to get along and be friends with one another or... or well, you may not have seen many people. You would have had to walk like three miles to see your neighbor. Exactly. And so you walk three miles to see that neighbor who has an oxen and plow and you don't have one, right? You need to borrow that oxen and plow in order to do get your farm ready and, and what can you trade with that individual? And then you have to agree to, and there's moral codes, codes of society that we all agree to, such as I'm gonna return the oxen and plow. I'm a reliable, trustworthy person and going to be bringing this back to them. All of these things, and then we talked about that a bit here today too, is that if we violate those rules, that there are negative consequences for that. It still applies today in 2018 in our digital world. It was not that long ago that that was our, our space. So it's important to know that we are still humans and whether we work in B2B or B2C or whatever industry, I'm a human, you are a human, and we're two humans communicating. Everyone listening to this is a human listening to this, just another person. And while we all work in different industries, at the end of the day, we're people talking to people. We are humans with behaviors and in marketing, communication, and advertising, a lot of our focus is on how do we help shift behavior in positive ways.
No, that's great. And, and, and Elizabeth, I really appreciate your time, and I really have to appreciate the time of the on-brand conference for having us out. Thanks to AAF, AIGA, AMA, PRSA. I'm hoping I'm not forgetting an acronym to thank here. I think you got them. But, but it's also great to see somehow these four organizations even got together to, to form this and to create this. It's beautiful. I think it's such a testament to where we are today is that advertising, marketing, public relations, it's all coming together and merging together. You know, one of the things that we talk about is hashtag everything is PR because the way we see things changing is that PR is like the air that we breathe because it's about your relationships with the public. And in this day and age, what is marketing? What is advertising if it's not about creating relationships with your publics and your audiences? And, and, and I think it's also an acknowledgement that there's an overlap in these organizations. We all specialize to some point. You know, everybody here probably has one, they're probably a member of one or two of the organizations. I doubt there's many people here that are, that are, that are a member of all four of them or they're not active in all four. Right. But, they're, but they probably interact heavily with the other people in those organizations. Absolutely. We all work together. We don't, I mean, we don't do a lot of psychology at our company, but, and, and, but that doesn't mean that our clients don't value them. And it doesn't mean that it's not important to the work that you're doing and there isn't a lot to be, to, a lot to be learned that you can then start doing differently and apply to the work that you're doing in a slightly different way because you have that knowledge. Like we said a moment ago, none of us want to be the marketer who made that sign at the Arizona Petrified Forest that actually tripled theft instead of reducing theft. And How do you write the case study that says, we did a bunch of work for a company and the, the entire Petrified Forest was stolen? How, I mean, do you, I think you just don't. <laughs> do you, yeah, I was like, I was like, do you, is there a way to spin that? Is there a way to say that? Nope. That, um, that the work we did caused caused our caused them um, a lot of private collections to grow. You know, I think they could talk about the lesson that they learned. Would be <laughs> you don't tell people the bad things other people are doing if you're trying to get them to not do the bad thing. Otherwise, you just increase the bad behavior. If we want to go out there and reduce, think of any public service announcement, we want to reduce littering, you want to reduce your carbon usage, you know, any of these things, the more you talk about how everybody else is doing it, you create a safety zone for us to continue doing it. Okay, well I feel much safer in, in theft and being broke, <laughs> and I appreciate your time and we hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks Elizabeth. <laughs> And when it's and it's and it's and um and, and where's where's your other company that that you have going on the, the yeah so there's eleventhoctave.co and that's one one t h octave.co and volumepr.com. All right, well, thank you much. Thank you. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at thirty-sixpoint.com. Music by Dustlab. Find out more at myspace.com/dustlab. Thank you.